Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Guaranteed Rate Field in Chicago, it's the White Sox 4, the Cleveland Guardians 1. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And you know what? It just wasn't our night in Chicago, but that's why these three-game series are nice. We have a chance to go out there this afternoon and still win the series, take two out of three from Chicago. But, you know, they tie it up. They even up the series at one game apiece. All right, let's get into the storylines of this game. Frankly, it's a pretty boring game as far as Guardians fans go. I mean, one run scored on a solo home run. That's it for the Guardians offense coming down from a night where obviously there's a it's a pretty incredible, pretty magical offensive night for the Guardians. They come down from that one and still Josh Naylor delivering. But uh, a pretty boring one uh, as far as Guardians fans go. Now, with that being said, the big storyline for me, and I don't know about you, but I didn't get to watch this because the Bally Sports app was crashing like crazy. It was going down like crazy. And I, I was like pulling my hair out trying to get it to work. I couldn't get it to work on the TV, on the Roku app. Could not get it to work on my phone. Pulled out the laptop. Couldn't get it to work on the laptop. Finally tweeted at them. I can't believe they actually responded. Now, I don't know. It might have been a bot that's just set up to respond. But they're like, yeah, we know there's an issue. We're working on it, basically. Everything, I mean, this wasn't, you know, I these apps are pretty terrible to begin with. Like, they usually do lock up every 20 minutes or so. The phone one will just, like, freeze up and you'll have to restart it. It was the same thing with Cavs games. Um, so yeah, it was pretty bad, but last night was, last night was every two pitches. I couldn't even make it through two pitches and the app would freeze. So this wasn't buffering or anything like that. This was my internet connection. Every two pitches, boom, it would just seize up. Whether it was the TV, whether it was the phone, whether it was the computer, you'd think that would make a difference. No. So something in the feed last night, and I, I was shocked that, all of Guardians Twitter wasn't in an uproar. So my brother texted me. He couldn't he couldn't watch the game. He was the app wasn't working for him. So clearly it was an issue beyond my own house. But yeah, I don't I I was surprised that they weren't tweeting out things saying we're working on it. I'm surprised that Guardians Twitter wasn't in an uproar over it. Uh so yeah, so uh, I did not get to watch a lot of this one, but luckily there's highlights and there's things like that available. So I have a pretty good idea of what happened last night. So let's get into the storylines of the actual game. Hopefully the Bally Sports people fixed whatever the issue was before today's afternoon game. They got a quick turnaround. Uh, I'd like to be able to watch afternoon baseball. That's and while I'm home, you know, with the kid, with the baby, uh, it'd be nice to watch an afternoon baseball game. So let's get into the storylines of this game. Honestly, the top storyline for me, it was just a weird defensive night for the Guardians, right? I felt like their defense let them down a little bit, a little bit. I mean, first off, there was a play they actually made, and that's the Jose Ramirez-Tim Anderson play, which was just a bizarre... Again, I, I told you I kept like refreshing the app, resetting the app, so I jumped in back into the game because then I have to watch an ad each time, and the ads played perfectly, no coincidence. Um, 
so I jumped in as they were like showing the highlight of this play and then had to try to figure out what the heck was going on. So it's a ground ball to second base. Anderson is going from first to second. And they have to flip the ball. I think it was Owen Miller at second base. Has to flip the ball to Jose Ramirez, who can't field the flip cleanly. It's kind of low in the dirt. Uh, and they kind of dribbles away from him. So Tim Anderson is safe at second. However, he realizes nobody is covering third because of the shift. There's no pitcher. There's no catcher. There's obviously no Jose Ramirez. So he decides he can win a foot race against Jose Ramirez, who reaches up to tag him, drops the ball, scoops it up, keeps it in front of him. It's like dribbling it like a, you know, I'm not a soccer player, but I guess, you know, like a soccer player would with his feet. Jose Ramirez is doing this with his hands. Tries to scoop it again and tag him, drops it again, but Anderson thinks he's out, so he hesitates for a second. Then when he realizes Jose Ramirez dropped the ball again, he tries to run again, and Jose Ramirez scoops the ball up again and tags him for a third time, finally making the out a few steps away from third base. So these two chase each other down the third base line from second to third, and finally Jose Ramirez is able to put a successful tag on him and hang on to the ball. That's, uh, yeah, that's the kind of night it was for the Guardians. Now, that one worked out in their favor. They do tag out and do actually get Tim Anderson out on the play. However, there would be other weird defensive plays where they weren't able to make the out. For some reason, in the sixth inning, there were two pop-ups in foul territory that they couldn't come down with. Now, the first one doesn't hurt them too bad. Jose Abreu pops one out uh, down over by the first base dugout. And Josh Naylor comes charging in and just overruns it. Just overruns it by a step or two and then can't make the catch kind of reaching back. Um, that's just, man, you, you're a Major League Baseball player. You got to make that catch. For everything great Josh Naylor has done over the last two days, you got to come up with that one. I mean, that's, there's no excuse on that one. And then luckily they make the out, though, right? He does make an out in that at bat. Later, we come back to hurt them when Gavin Sheets is up because Sheets would shoot one. Uh, pop one up, not shoot one, pop one up down the uh, left field line, foul territory behind third base. Hozier Ramirez would go back. This one, he has his back to the plate. He's kind of backhanding it. Um, he's got his arm turned around, and it kind of hits off the heel of his glove. A much tougher play, yes. Yes, absolutely a much tougher play. Something that Jose Ramirez makes routinely, yes, it was. Yes, it was. For a Major League Baseball player, that is pretty routine. You expect him to come up with that. He doesn't, and a few pitches later, Sheets hits the big two-run home run uh, to really give the White Sox a nice lead. But the way Giolito was pitching, that was a monumental lead. Um, So, weird defensive plays. Ahmed Rosario also had a couple in left field. Now, he did make a couple of okay catches. He made one in foul territory going down the left field line that he ran down. Uh, he took away a line drive, heading to his uh, breaking to his left into left center field early in the game. However, he does uh, he does give up the double to Josh Harrison uh, in the uh, fifth inning. This time, breaking back towards the wall. Now, if Oscar Mercado is out there or if Quan's out there, do they come up with a catch? Mm, I don't know. Let's see what the expected batting average was on this one. I mean, it would have been a really tough play. Uh, it was a 480 expecting batting average. So, yeah, I mean, usually if a guy ropes a double into the gap like that off the wall, you're looking at like an 800 or 900 expected batting average. 
at a 480 expected batting average, they're saying like with the right outfielder out there, they probably make that catch. I mean, it doesn't hit that high up off the wall. It's not a very high wall to begin with in Chicago. You know, it hits at probably chest level. If an outfielder is able to get there, they're not going to have to leap for it. Uh, they could probably just run it down. So, yeah, breaking back on the ball is, I think, the thing that's going to take Ahmed Rosario, obviously, the hardest the, the hardest adjustment he's going to have to make. Like, he's caught pop-ups before. He's caught fly balls before. Even though he dropped one last night that was right at him uh, two nights ago, um, this these plays going back to the wall are going to be the hardest plays for him adjusting to the outfield out there. I'm glad they didn't give up on it after one night, but at the same time, it'd be really nice to have a competent outfielder out there, someone we can trust, instead of the Ahmed Rosario experiment. Again, I don't. I, I blame the Guardians coaching staff completely that this experiment has to happen in April and May of the 2022 season because it wasn't happening in spring training. It wasn't happening in winter ball. Those are the places for these experiments, and it wasn't happening. So now it's happening in season, and you're going to pay for it with things like this. Now, I mean, is this 100% his fault for not getting this? No. It was it was a very hard hit ball, 98.2 mile per hour exit velocity. It was off the wall in left field. Okay, that's a double. But, again, could Mercado have caught it? it Maybe. It would have been a lot closer than it was. And the other thing is he trapped himself against the wall. Straw is the one that has to field this ball. So that's another thing he's going to have to learn. When he realizes he can't get to a ball, he's got to get off the wall and ready for that ricochet. I mean, a good left fielder can come up throwing to second place, second base and make a really close play. If you trap yourself, if you bury yourself into the wall, we saw Palacios do this a few days ago too. If you bury yourself into the wall, you're going to give up extra bases because of it. So uh, that Harrison double, Tim Anderson would then single up the middle I think we saw the uh, the full extent of the range of uh, Andres Jimenez, who dives up the middle, and it just tips off his glove. Just tips off his glove. So not blaming Jimenez there, but it's a, it's a situation where he came very close. If he gets it, he's not throwing Tim Anderson out at first base, but he might prevent Josh Harrison from coming home. Remember, this is all with two outs. Harrison's double and Tim Anderson's single in the fifth inning is all with two outs. So maybe he stops uh, Harrison from coming home and they're able to get out of the inning. But it just tips off the end of his glove. So A-plus for effort, but just can't come up with it. Uh, Yeah, weird defensive day for the Guardians. Um, The White Sox had themselves a weird play. Uh, They were able to double up the Guardians. Uh, Fermil Reyes would hit into a double play. So Owen Miller would single. Uh, Was that in the fourth inning? I believe that was in the fourth inning. Owen Miller would single to kick off the inning. Uh, Naylor would ground out, but Owen Miller would move up to second. And Fermil Reyes would hit a ground ball to Tim Anderson at shortstop, who alertly realizes that Owen Miller had taken a very large secondary lead. Now, the rule is if the ball's in front of you as the runner on second base, you retreat. If the ball's behind you, you go. If the ball's in front of you, you retreat. Well, he doesn't retreat fast enough or can't retreat fast enough. I mean, Fermil Reyes did hit it at 99.8 miles per hour, so it got to Tim Anderson very quickly. And he fires it back to second. They tag down Owen Miller, get him on the arm, sliding back into second, and then alertly throwing to first base, and they're able to double up Fermil Reyes. If anybody else is running, 
Do they turn a double play on that? Maybe not. But with Fermil Reyes running, they turn a double play to get out of the fourth inning. And uh, yeah, they got out of a lot of innings, uh, especially early in this game. The Guardians had runners on. They had a single from Jose Ramirez in the first. They had uh, a single from Josh Naylor and Ahmed Rosario in the second before Andres Jimenez would hit into a double play. Uh, Quan would walk in the third before Ramirez would ground out to end the inning. Uh, the Owen Miller single to lead off the fourth. It wasn't until the fifth inning that the Guardians finally get set down one, two, three. So they had runners on in those first four innings and just there was never a big hit or anything like that. They couldn't really get a rally started in any of these innings. And the double plays obviously hurt, right? Especially that second inning, you get two guys on double play to end the inning very quickly. So, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, that takes me to my next storyline, which is basically Giolito outdueling Cal Quantrill. I mean, Giolito pitched very well in this game. Quantrill pitched good too, but made a few more mistakes. Obviously, the big mistake to Gavin Sheets. Um, so yeah, so he loses the battle. He loses the duel to uh, Giolito. Like I said, it's not a very exciting Guardians game, but let's get into the facts. What went down? What was working for both these pitchers? And frankly, both these pitchers were very aggressive, very aggressive pounding the strike zone. If I go over to Cal Quantrill's uh, Illustrator page, just pounding the strike zone with the cutter, with the four-seamer, with the two-seam sinker, uh, just absolutely attacking the strike zone there. A few change-ups mixed in. And then if we go over to Giolito, a lot more change-ups mixed in. But again, attacking the strike zone, attacking with his fastball. And wait, wait till you hear the numbers on his fastball attacking with the changeup, attacking with the slider. To the right-handed hitters, it's mostly fastball slider. To the lefties, it's mostly fastball changeup uh, from Giolito. That's his combo. Uh, so, yeah, very, very aggressive for both guys in the strike zone. And it would work a little better for Giolito. I mean, he goes seven innings, gives up six hits, one earned run, the solo home run, one walk and five strikeouts. He is hard hit one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times. Quantrill goes six and a third, so close. Does make it into the seventh. Can't finish the seventh like Giolito does. Gives up 10 hits, though. Four earned runs, no walks, three strikeouts, uh, and one home run given up on 98 pitches. He is hard hit one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times as well. Now, what was the location? That was what interests me. What was the location of all those hits given up. And uh, I wish there was an easy tab for hits. There isn't. I got to click singles, doubles, triples, and home runs. And the location of all these hits for Cal Quantrill is kind of right down the middle of the plate. Kind of right down. There's a few inside pitches that some righties turned on for hits. Um, Tim Anderson turned on one for a run in the seventh inning. His double... Uh, actually, no, didn't turn on it, shot it the other way, uh, took an inside pitch and uh, shot it down the right field line uh, past a diving Josh Naylor. Um, yeah, so that was a right-handed hitter taking inside pitch and hitting it inside out and shooting it down the line. Uh, but uh, Luis Robert turned on an inside pitch and then down the middle would be Josh Harrison. His double was something right down the middle at the letters. And then a lot of stuff down at the thighs, but on the middle of the plate. Tim Anderson in the fifth inning, his single. Um, Adam Engel, uh, he takes one of the seventh inning right down the middle of four-seam fastball. 
Uh, Luis Roberts cutter uh, takes a cutter in the sixth inning for a hit. And then uh, Tim Anderson uh, gets one at the bottom of the zone. Looking at the left-handed hitters now, uh, and Gavin Sheets' home run is going to be included in this one. It was a cutter that was middle, just shading, I mean, at the belt, just shading right of center. So he really teased this up for Gavin Sheets. Really puts us in a nice spot for the left-handed hitter to turn on and absolutely destroy. So yeah, when Quantrill gives up 10 hits, it's because he was sinking back into the middle of the plate. Yes, there are a few good hits from hitters where they were able to work with something off the plate, inside maybe. But for the most part, he he snuck back into the middle of the plate and he paid for it on those 10 hits. Um, Going over to the player breakdown page, what was working for him? Uh, Well, the cutter was really working for him last night. He threw it 46 times. Now, this pitch, it's an 86.8 mile per hour cutter. It, the minimum, the slowest he threw it was at 82.7. I mean, that sounds like a slider, but they call it a cutter. Um, so sure. So he throws a cutter, sinker, forcing fastball, and a changeup. No curves, no sliders. This is what you get from Quantrill. Mostly hard stuff. Although when he's throwing the cutter at 82.7, I mean, can you really consider it hard stuff? I mean, that's the same minimum velocity that he throws his changeup at. So it's an interesting pitch mix from Cal Quantrill, but I mean, it was working for a 35% CSW, mostly boasted by the fact that he got 13 called strikes on that cutter. Only got four whiffs on 51 swings. That's good for an 8% whiff rate. That's not good enough to get the win in Major League Baseball. You're going to have to get more whiffs than that. Um, the called strikes on the cutter definitely help him. The two-seamer got five called strikes. That four-seam fastball only has a 9% CSW. Now, they did foul off nine of them on 15 swings. Uh, but yeah, it's only got a 9% CSW. And then he only threw the changeup four times. So really, he was just being aggressive and hard. Aggressive with all his three different fastballs um, against the White Sox hitters. Now, speaking of called strikes, going over to Giolito, his four-seam fastball was legit yesterday. He was also pounding the strike zone. On 17 swings, only one whiff, right? They actually put 12 fastballs in play, but he has 17 called strikes on him. And just hovering around some of the different fastballs on the page, on the Illustrator page, a lot of OO counts. A lot of first pitch taken fastballs for a strike. So their plan clearly was to be patient. Clearly that was the plan from Guardians hitters yesterday. And uh, it just didn't work against Giolito. They didn't get what they wanted eventually. The changeup was all about the whiff. 11 swings on the changeup, 7 whiffs against it. 64% whiff rate. It's good for a 41% CSW on that pitch. Uh, the slider, he had a little bit of each. It's good for a 30% CSW. Uh, 3 whiffs and 3 called strikes on it. And then the curveball, he got a he got 1 called strike on it. Didn't throw many curveballs. Only 7 curveballs on the day. It's good for a 37% CSW total on the day for Giolito, and that's pretty elite stuff. For getting strikes, for getting called strikes and whiffs, 37% is pretty darn elite. If you're creeping up near 40%, that's a pretty good day. And even when we were hitting it, I mean, we were not hitting it hard. The average exit velocity off his fastball was only 86.4. We did talk about a few hard hit ground outs, right? Uh, the average exit velocity off his changeup was 55. They only put three in play. Um, yeah, 
so the average exit velocity off on the day off of, on the day was only 83 miles per hour. So a good job by Giolito. I mean, again, really aggressive, throwing that changeup in the zone, but getting a lot of whiffs with it, and obviously throwing that fastball in the zone to get 17 called strikes. Uh, really, really aggressive stuff from both starting pitchers, and it works out a lot better for Giolito than it does for Cal Quantrill. They do both give up the home runs, but uh, you know it helps that when uh, Gavin Sheets hits his, it's with a runner on base. When Naylor hits his, it's with the bases empty. So that that you know makes a big difference when those home runs come. You can live with a solo home run. When it starts to be a two-run home run, a three-run home run, you know that is a significant difference in the game. I was wondering if there was anything between Giolito and Naylor uh, that let Naylor hit this home run. Uh, Naylor actually had two, you know, two hits on the day, uh, so it was a pretty good offensive day to continue for Josh Naylor. His first at bat, he takes a four seam fastball. First pitch, being aggressive against this fastball, not taking a first strike, and singles into right center field. Maybe we should have done a little more of this on the day. So he takes a four-seam fastball that's up in the same location-ish that he hit the big three-run home run on last night, and he shoots one out into right center field for a single. His next at-bat comes up against him, and uh, this time he's not messing around. He's throwing the lefty two change-ups, and uh, he gets him to ground out the first base. Um, That's the one that Owen Miller was able to move up on second, where he would eventually be doubled up. But throws him two changeups. Throws him a changeup at the knees that he swings through, and then throws him a changeup high at the letters, um, right at the top of the strike zone uh, that he grounds out on. All right, so he's seen fastball. He see two changeups with that lead into the big home run from Josh Naylor. Nope, completely random. Sometimes in baseball, there's a pattern that develops. There's something that you know, a storyline that develops between the hitter and the pitcher. So I thought maybe it'd be another changeup, right? Or maybe it'd be that first pitch fastball again. Nope, he throws him a fastball down that he misses with for ball one, and then throws him a slider that basically slides right back into the middle of the plate. It's at the belt, just above the belt, just left of center. Really, this is a nice pitch to extend your arms on, and it's a nice pitch to go the opposite way with. He hits this one to left field, a home run to left field, 104.4 mile per hour exit velocity, 373 to the seats out there in left field. And uh, I don't know, does Josh Naylor hit a lot of home runs to the opposite field? It was his first one of 2022. Looking back at his spray charts of uh, 2021, no home runs to left field in 2021. Did have a bunch of doubles out there, a bunch of doubles off the wall, maybe even in left field, but no home runs to left field in 2021. 2020, nope, no home runs to left field. And 2019 is rookie year one. He shot one down the left field line in his uh, rookie year. So, yeah, that's only his second home run of his career that he's hit out to left field. So, a pretty rare shot for Josh Naylor. Other storylines in this game, other things to note. uh, Gavin Sheets has got us twice now, two nights in a row. After dropping that ball in right field, he's come back and hit two home runs against the Guardians. Obviously, trying to get a little revenge for himself. And uh, Sheets is an interesting prospect for them right now because obviously they have a Brayu at uh, first base. He's a former second-round pick of the White Sox in the 2017 draft. He's a first baseman by trade, known for being a power bat. I had to go back to the 2020 prospect list to find him on here uh, on MLB.com. He was their number nine prospect at the time. 
the bio on him was uh, his hit was a 50 grade. His power was a 50 grade. Run 30, arm 55, field 50. Uh, overall, a 45 prospect. Um, they did say that uh, power bat was really the thing about him, but it was a slower swing. It wasn't a quick swing. It was just a powerful swing. He's just a big, powerful guy, 6'5", 230. Um, so they were wondering if he would be able to handle high-velocity pitching at the major league level. Now, that's not something you're going to have to worry about against the Guardian starters because we don't really have a high-velocity guy in the starting rotation. But, uh, yeah, they do they do say he's got some serious above-average raw power, and it took him a while to find it in the major leagues, but now that he's up here with the White Sox, he is hitting. I mean, last year, he slugged 506. He had an 830 OPS. He was off to a slow start. Uh, he only had one home run and two doubles going into this series, so his extra base hits were way down. He was only slugging 360 so far on this season. So yeah, this has helped. These these balls have uh, these uh, home runs have definitely helped him uh, kind of get going a little bit here. So we'll see if Sheets is held in check. He was DHing. Is he going to be back out there in the field? Is he going to be back out there in right field at first base? Are they going to let Abreu DH today in the afternoon game? It'll be interesting to see. They're tr- they're trying to fit Gavin Sheets in any way they can, kind of the way we're trying to fit Ahmed Rosario in and Josh Naylor in any way we can right now and making that work. Now, we don't have any, you know, a perennial MVP candidate at first base that would be blocking a young Gavin Sheets. Um, so it's a little bit different situation uh, for the White Sox in that vein because obviously Abreu's not going anywhere anytime soon. So they're going to have to figure things out with Sheets if they want to keep this guy around. Where is he going to play, Right. They've already got a lot of D, uh, DH candidates uh, with their catching position. So where can they find at-bats for Sheets? It's going to be an interesting question for them to figure out. Uh, but yeah, so he gets the big home run. And really, they get the big hit, and we don't. The last thing we have to talk about is the ninth inning, because we do get a rally going in that ninth inning. Uh, it's probably what you've been waiting for me to talk about. Uh, with two outs, Fermil Reyes draws a walk. Again, Fermil Reyes in a bit of a slump does go over three, only one strikeout in this game, but he draws a walk in the ninth inning to get something going. Ahmed Rosario delivers a single. He might be the hottest hitter in Cleveland's lineup right now, even though we can't find a position offense uh, defensively. Uh, he was three for four on this day. He's got his average up to 240. So that average might continue to climb here, might get in back into respectable territory. Because remember, it was below 200. You know, only a few days ago, and now up to 240. So he singles. We got something going. Andres Jimenez would shoot one to first base, 98.5 mile per hour exit velocity. Abreu would field it but stumble. So it's a foot race now to the bag. Jimenez goes diving in head first, reaching out that left arm. Abreu slides in foot first. They have to go to replay. The initial call on the field is safe. Going to the replay. If you're watching Abreu's foot, it looks like Andres Jimenez beats him to the bag. If you're watching the bag, it does look like the bag moves before Andres Jimenez's hand gets in there. I will say that. The White Sox announcers have that right. It does look like the bag moves. However, I got to say, from that camera above first base, uh, it really looks like Jose Abreu gets a big 
pile of dirt. And Jimenez's hand gets in there before the foot actually makes contact with something. It looks like a big puff of dirt. Now, could he scoop so much dirt under his cleat that it moves the bag? That it causes the bag to puff up? I, I don't know. I, I mean, we would have to... You would it would take CIA analysts uh, to to take that film and break it down and zoom in and enhance that thing to figure out what actually causes that base to move. Does the foot beat the hand? I mean, that was really close. And when usually a call is overturned, this is the thing that probably has a lot of you Guardians fans mad. When a call is overturned, there's usually very obvious evidence that the call goes in the other direction. Right, we saw it uh, a few days ago with uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. trying to leg out one a play at first base, where it was very clear that the ball hits the glove way before that foot comes down. And on this situation, the call was safe on the field. Now, looking at that, is there overwhelming evidence that that foot actually makes contact with the bag before his hand gets in there? I don't know if you could say there's overwhelming evidence. I think you can make an argument for it with the base moving, but I don't think you can say there's overwhelming evidence to overturn that call. So, man, a really tough decision by the MLB replay officials, and it does not go in the Guardians' favor. It would have brought Mercado up with the bases loaded to pinch hit, and anything could have happened. Clearly, Josh Naylor has shown us that anything could happen in the ninth inning of a baseball game. So, You thought the Guardians were going to get a chance to load the bases up again and get a little magic going. And unfortunately, the MLB replay officials make a pretty boring ending to a pretty boring game. I can't believe I've talked this long about such a boring game. Sometimes you'll have it in baseball. Sometimes it just won't go your way, and it'll be one of those nights. All right, that's all my thoughts on this one. I mean, Quantrill gives a decent start. The Guardians have a few things going offensively, but never get the big hit, never really get the big rally going. It's it's a pretty slow night for Guardians hitters. Um, despite Quantrill doing, giving a decent start, he takes the loss. Giolito takes the win. Um, coming up today, we've got some afternoon baseball, 2 o'clock start in Chicago in that central time zone. Savali's going to go at it again. He pitched a little bit better this time. Quantrillis did a good job of stopping a team from scoring early against the Guardians. So let's see if Savali can keep that going and maybe hold them off for a little bit so that the offense has a chance to get going against Vince Velasquez, uh, somebody who the White Sox had just signed this season, somebody who has bounced around um, with Philadelphia and San Diego and then signed as a free agent this year with Chicago. Um, Velasquez has pitched three times against us. Uh, it's 1-2 and two with a 1.59 ERA and three starts against us. I don't know where those starts took place. I don't know if they were in Philly or if they were in um, uh, San Diego. You know, I don't know where those starts. Obviously, some interleague play is probably, probably mixed in there. But he's a right-handed pitcher, so expect those lefties to stay in the lineup. Naylor and Andres Jimenez to stay in the lineup. Uh, yeah, and so we got to go win a series now. Now it's tied up 1-1, and we got to go win a series over the rivals, right? The uh, Central Division rivals. Um, let's go do it. Let's go win this series, and then we move on to Minnesota. So it's a big Central Division 
a Central Division battle this week. So that's all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Again, the final from Chicago. It's the White Sox 4, the Guardians 1. We'll be back tomorrow to see how Savali does. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. Hopefully the uh, Bally Sports app will be working. Otherwise, you'll see more tweets from me at the Bally Sports people trying to figure out what's going on. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know what your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash clevelandbaseballmornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.